Hi everyone and welcome to Leukemia Chatters, a podcast about blood cancer from Leukemia Care. This is our first podcast of 2020. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. So today I'm joined by Nick, who's our patient (laughs) advocacy and healthcare liaison officer, um, and uh, Kate, who is um, an acute leukemia patient, but also a trustee of leukemia care and has helped us with many, many other things. Um, and Kate has previously been on the, the podcast, but not for a while. So it's nice to have you back, Kate. Yeah, thank you. Um, so today we're going to talk generally about relationships and whether relationship status has a bearing on various parts of your cancer journey, I guess, would be a, a one way of summarizing it. So if we were to start sort of right at the beginning of a cancer journey, you just found out you have a leukemia of some kind. And I know, Kate, you've had acute leukemia and Nick, you've got chronic leukemia. So I'd be interested to hear the different types or different experiences in this respect. But what would do either of you feel, I guess, that the relationship status has a bearing on how you experience that particular part of your cancer journey? I don't know who wants to start, Nick? You want to start? <laughs> Did sure. it make a difference, do you think, to how that experience Well, I'd was? say I was fortunate that I was in a relationship, yeah. part of a couple, partnership, mm-hmm. family, kids involved. But then that did also bring other burdens with it at the diagnosis stage. Yeah. Because part of diagnosis is you yourself. But then at the same time, your biggest fears is how do you move forward with that with your children and how do you move forward with that with your partner? Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go through a lot of that process on your own. So the biggest struggle of diagnosis was kind of knowing, but not knowing, knowing what it is, and then hearing the word leukemia, cancer, the world's upside down. If you're with somebody, I suppose I'd have to admit that it was it made the journey easier. But the, the problem was this how much of a burden and impact that was also on my partner at the time. Mm. And if you don't mind me asking, did, did you ever talk about that burden that you felt? Did she ever express that she felt it was difficult at the time? Or was it, do you think it was just you who thought you were burdening her? Because that's a very I, different experience. I don't it? know. So it's quite an interesting point, isn't it? I think further down the journey, mm. you're able to reflect on things. I think if you're in a relationship you do tend to take each other for granted and a lot of what goes on for granted. Yeah. So you're almost taking for granted that you'll support each other through thick and thin. Um, you don't actually probably realise at that moment because you're so overwhelmed in your own self mm. of how much of a burden emotionally you also, and, and also physically in terms of time and commitments, how it impacts on everything you've got to do. I don't think you probably realise at the time. Yeah, yeah Definitely. Kate, you were single at the at the time of diagnosis. Do you think, therefore, you had a slightly different experience to Nick, or do you mm. agree with a lot of what he what he's said? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said, and I would have felt the same in a relationship. It's nice to have that support. For me, um, I was sort of newly single mm-hmm. um, and going through a divorce, actually. So it, it came at the worst time, if there even is a good time to get ill. I don't know. <laughs> But for me, it was just really bad timing. So actually going through it on your own, is it was really scary, really scary. Um, more so because I think, you know, I lived on my own. And so I was kind of thinking, well, I'm, I'm suddenly in hospital as an emergency case and there's no time to go home and sort stuff out. 
and there's no one else to sort it out for me. So that was kind of scary um, mm. in the more like practical term, really. But then on the emotional side of it, yes, like I would have loved, you know, for for a partner or my ex-husband to have, have been there and supportive, but it just wasn't the case for me. Um, so, yeah, it was really horrible, really horrible. And I think actually as a single person going through that, there is a huge um, hole in support there, you know. Mm. Because you do, you do miss that that other person, and also it's the person who knows you inside out, isn't it? And knows when you're feeling your worst. It's like you don't mind that person being there; you want them to be there. Whereas, like friends and family, it can sometimes get a bit. You know, you don't want all your friends to see you when you're really poorly. Yeah. So yeah, it was really awful. Yeah. I- so interesting, before we came on the podcast, I did read something about um, on, on a forum of a lady saying how difficult she was finding to support her partner because they were in such a new relationship. I think they'd been in a relationship about two months before he then got diagnosed. And I guess what you were saying about knowing each other, the level of support you're going to get from a person depends on how long you've been with them. Yeah. And I would say, like, especially as an inpatient, um, you're at your most vulnerable and the the I'm not going to word this very well at all but what I'm trying to say is like it's very intimate moments so whoever shares those moments with you you know you've got to know them quite well and and feel comfortable because you're literally at your most vulnerable you're most ill yeah so you kind of I think having a new relationship yeah that would be tricky because you'd kind of think whoa okay do I want them to see me like this and also there's the whole image thing as well you know you lose your hair and stuff and there's like you know you just don't feel well I didn't feel like feminine anymore I felt really Mm -hmm. just like a thing you know and I just felt like I didn't want anyone to see me so yeah for having a new relationship that'd be really difficult I think Mm. so Appearance is obviously one of the big things we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, I think. Big things that changes for most people throughout their cancer journey or however you want to call it. But I did, yeah, I listened to the other the podcast we were talking about earlier, Yumi and the Big C, and how they talk a lot about feeling feminine because they're all, all three of them are women, I think. Yeah. And how that made a big difference to their relationships post treatment and everything. But Nick, do you think it's also an issue for men? appearance changes do we focus too much on women because obviously we're more likely to have identity from our hair and things like that or is well, that, that you experience as well yeah i mean if i was talking about personal experience i live with a chronic condition so it's a lot of change over time or during crisis moments um so there are aspects from a physical point of view um i think from a contributor point of view in terms of body images, not just your external images, how you see yourself. Um, you know, initially I was impacted by feeling guilty, unable to contribute at the level I used to, threw myself into doing other things. Um, I did have issues, um, but I was in a relationship. Um, and that's what I'm saying from one point of view, I think, you know, whether it's right or wrong, taking it for granted that you would support each other through yeah. things. You know, um, initially that didn't become a problem for me. If I was to talk about now, you know, well, maybe that's a slightly different issue. Um, you know, there are stages when you've lost weight, you don't feel 100%, you're as white as a sheet, you look very well, or I have, for example, 
um, your teeth issues or things of that nature, then, yeah, I think it, from my point of view, it's how you perceive yourself and try not to... It's a journey at different stages in my journey. Um, I would say that I felt differently about myself I mean, today. What I live with doesn't define me. It's sort of a, it's in the bag of tricks over my shoulder and I carry it along with me. Um, but at different stages, it did define me and it made life very difficult in the relationship. I guess that's what this all, all comes down to really is how cancer really just I've heard from a lot of people I've talked to like you two who say cancer just completely redefines their life yeah and I guess relationship is just one aspect of that would would you agree with that definitely yeah Yeah. and I think just going back to your first sort of question about how it impacts you when you're single I think financially as well because Mm. you don't have that support of a partner to sort of say well I'll look after things you know so it's that's a really big worry as well because it's if it's just you on your own you know solely supporting yourself which it was for me then it yeah it's a massive impact so I think it just brings with it more worries like there's less of a support network you know I mean it depends how supportive your partner is a lot of people are in relationships and it crumbles when somebody gets ill because they can't deal with it for many reasons you know um so yeah it can be hard both ways i think yeah no that's a really good point um you know i think i became more unwell mentally in the beginning with the chronic condition known to come to terms of that rather than the physically that was a gradual process but it did involve you know i had other issues but it did involve not being able to contribute and I was fortunate, very fortunate in respect to the fact that I had somebody that was able to take that burden on. But that wasn't fair because that's mm-hmm. when you start to leak into other issues. You know, you start looking at the insidious nature of a, a disease, a disorder that you're not just diagnosed with. The whole family's diagnosed mm-hmm. with it. Your partner's diagnosed with it. You know, you go into a relationship, you know, for better or for worse, and you've got the image of a picture potentially where you're going to be in so many years kids are growing up they've gone to uni you might be able to grab a bit of time to do this and that and then all of a sudden bang you get diagnosed this is blown out of the water you're not just diagnosed you realize that's going to impact on the family and you also it's very difficult for different for kate she was rushed in very quickly into an urgent need for intervention made very poorly on top of being very poorly mm. whereas a a chronic condition, a lot of people might be rushed in at the beginning, a few, but most people will eventually get there if they've got progressive disease. But it's a slow creeper. It eats away at the soul of your relationship. So, and it, you know, it's easy not to realise in the beginning, as I said, the impact that it has on the person you're with diagnosis, but it soon becomes real during the relationship. And I guess sorts the wheat out, wheat out for the chaff, from the chaff. Um, it certainly had a negative impact on my ongoing relationship, living with a chronic, you know, and I think it was a contributor. Mm. I think my ex-wife used to say to me, I'm a lazy, bleep, bleep, bee before I was diagnosed, and I still am after. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there's a lot more to it than that. Um, It's hard because you're living in a situation where you're not very well. You don't want to share that. You distract yourself with other activities. You're not able to contribute. You don't feel the whole person. You're perhaps not the man in the relationship that you were before. Um, and your partner's carrying a lot of that burden mm. um, can be the case. So I don't think it's talked about a lot. 
but it, you know, I think you know, when we talk about this, there's a lot of people where diagnosis and living a condition puts that much of a strain on the relationship. And it tends to be in older people when the kids have grown up a little bit, so that can fracture the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kate's saying she wished she had someone to rely on, but I guess, whereas you're saying you were worried about relying on someone too much, I guess the, the middle ground has got to be there is a lack of support for the rest of the family. Yeah. Like, a lack of understanding, I think that's yeah, absolutely A lack right. of appreciation from the wider world about how cancer is not just an impacting on you yeah, guys. I think I think you're right then. I think when you say to somebody, you know, I was diagnosed, I think perhaps you should say we were diagnosed. Because um, mm-hmm. quite often that's the case. But then there is also the other part which Kate might agree with. As a, as a patient, mm-hmm. there is so much you have to keep to yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't share within a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you agree with that? Is there, was there certain things you felt that like you couldn't tell obviously you didn't have yeah. part of the time but friends family you didn't want to burden yeah. them with information yeah and there was I was very much like I had a lot of visitors come into hospitals I spent a lot of time in hospital and so I was very fortunate that although I don't have a big family in fact my family's tiny I had a lot of friends so I was very fortunate they come and see me but at the same time I don't know why but I just wanted to be happy and I thought if I'm happy happy then more people are going to come and see me if I'm miserable and just don't talk and cry the whole time they're there Mm. they're not going to want to come back so I definitely put like a game face on so they'd come in and even if I was like having loads of shivers and temperatures and feeling sick and in so much pain I'd just sort of be like yeah I'm fine (laughs) um and put it put it on and actually I really lacked that the core person or, or you know group of people that I could just go I feel awful you know and actually when I was feeling really really ill I said no to visitors because I didn't have the energy to see anyone and I didn't want anyone to see me like that Mm. so yeah I really lacked and it used to really upset me you've just reminded me um it used to really upset me when you're on a ward and there's like three other beds and then you'd see people's partners coming in and young or old you know mm. and they'd stay with them all day and like yeah. someone would stay overnight and I just used to think you know and I used to get really upset about that because I would have loved you know for that to have been me or someone to come in and just sit with me you know it was always just people coming in for a couple of hours and then going again and yeah I did really really um miss that so yeah I think it would have been lovely to have had that one person who was coming in every day or, you know, just sitting with you, even if you didn't feel like talking. Mm. So, yeah, I think it makes a big difference to have support. Definitely. Mm. So I just wanted to go back, Nick, to what you are saying about how you feel it contributed to the breakdown of your relationship. Is there a... Is there anything you would have maybe considered doing differently? Any tips you could give to people to try and help keep That's that? Funny, isn't it? When we always say, if I knew then what I know now. You know, living on, on my own, um, under a roof, very differently with my condition, post-chemotherapy, post, well, in treatment now, um, viewing everything a little bit differently. You're able to reflect maybe where you went wrong, maybe where you didn't cope, because at the end of the day, part of living with a condition, a long-term condition, is learning to adjust and to the 
you know, the varying new normal as you go along and not letting it define you. So, yeah, it contributed, but of course, in the relationship breakdown, it's not the only mm. cause. And that, you know, I mean, I, I love listening to people where they're so close and they've been together for 20, 30 years and they see through each other through thick or thin. Of course, you have the ups and downs. But there is an incredible strain on relationships, financially, emotionally, guilt, burdens of, you know, um, partners having to take on responsibilities because the ill member isn't well enough. Um, and then the change shape, you know, if adult leukemia, you know, you can assume that people are in, in the older age group, there's, you know, there's the kids and the grandkids involved and it changes the dynamics and the relationship, you know. Yeah, difficult. Um, and back to the question, is there anything that... Maybe it's just being open and honest about all the things that you've been quite Yeah, I, I don't know how, how other people feel, but, you know, I look in the... When you go to the clinic, when you're going through treatment, when you're sitting in the infusion chair, and when you're having a bone marrow biopsy or, or you, you, you've got sepsis and you're being rushed into hospital, mm. you know, I went through those latter stages on my own. Um, but... Um, most of it, actually, the journey when it comes to going into the office, building the relationship with your doctor, um, going in for your routine tests, your monitoring, your infusions. Um, I ended up doing that on my own, and I don't. I, listening to a lot of my friends, they do too. You know, there are certain things you don't go hand in hand into. You know, so, um, I don't know how relevant that is. You know, I think it comes back to that, that there are certain aspects of living with a condition that you have to keep this. You, I mean, the point I was going to say is in relationships, it could be part of initiating relationships as well. You know, it's, it's difficult for people when somebody else is living with the condition and it's not it's not their fault. It's mm. not their fault, you know. So um, I don't know how to put it. Um, you know, in... in but there was, without a doubt, um, you know, I remember the early emotional stages of diagnosis and having somebody else there and being able to put my arms around somebody and somebody else putting their arms around me meant was probably... It seems as though you're suggesting it, there must be a way of finding like a balance between supporting each other and not overburdening your partner. Acknowledging that you're both going through. I don't know. I think we've done the conversation, but you know, from I, I went through separation just as I had to start chemo, mm -hmm. and actually, I was just listening to what Kate was saying, and some of that was actually quite good. Uh, I don't mean be bad because there was the emotional upset, there was the turmoil and everything else, and but then I had to go into battle. I had to go in to chemo. And I wasn't very well, and I had to lock myself away from everybody in the house. I, I remember having the rigors and rushed in with sepsis a few times. It was, you know, I was lying ill on the couch with my dog. Um, it was a totally different experience. I had, I developed relationships with friends, you know. I found friends that I didn't realize I had that, 
well, I knew them, but I didn't know what depth of friends are. You know, people would phone me up in the morning saying, how are you? Do you want anything? And um, if I said, no, I'm not very well, I don't want it. They didn't matter. When I opened the front door, there was a bag of shopping or something outside. They knew that you didn't want to see anybody. Mm-hmm. I guess I was going <laughs> to say, do you have any like tips for people? I think, well, I think Nick's given a good one there is reach out to other people. Mm-hmm. Would, would you say that other people were... A, a good substitute or yeah I mean no one a friend can't ever replace a partner they just no. can't um so but yeah my friends were brilliant especially right at the very beginning um you know I think for me it was difficult because looking back you know it's easy to say I should have done this should have mm. done that but really I struggled at the very beginning because I was in hospital by myself and then when I was released I was just sent home by myself and like I was in no fit state really looking back mm. to to be on my own and like it was awful um and then you keep going in and out of hospital for long stints really so you're sort of in out in out and actually during that sort of time must have been about six months if that um that was when I, I relapsed as well and I think it was just super hard because mm not only was the dealing with the cancer and the treatment and everything, like I can remember having to ring up um, friends and ask them to take me for, for treatment because I couldn't drive myself there and there was no one else to drive me. So you, I felt awful having to then say like, Oh, would you mind taking me to chemo? You know? And then they'd say, well, I can't, you know, some of them would stay, but some would say, I can't, but I'll come and pick you up at the end. And it's just having to ask it. You just felt really like, and that kind of just makes you feel even worse. Cause you think, well, I haven't got anyone <laughs> who's sort of saying, I'll come with you. I'll hold your hand. You know, I had nothing like that other than the old friend who would stay and, and hold your hand, but it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. I can um, imagine that, you know, because I've got to be realistic. I mean, there's no such thing as a better cancer or a better illness than the other. But the trauma you had to go through to be able to um, prepare for your transplant yeah. and how ill that makes you, mm. it's not just the side effects of no. it. It's the no. whole process. To do that on your own is, yeah. is phenomenal, you know. Um, yeah. it's you know I, I notice in terms of relationships is, is how, to me, the most important Women, you know, let's talk about relationships. You know, is, you know I'm, I'm heterosexual, so I have relationships with, with, with ladies. Um, the most important ladies in my life were the, were the clinical nurse specialists. They became so important to me when I was unwell, mm. and it was so good to be able to trust somebody. Mm. And I suppose that was what I'm reflecting on it, is not being in a relationship going through treatment. I didn't have anybody else that I could trust and rely on. Yeah. And that was yeah. the partner bit. That yeah. was the bit that I had before. Yes, know. yeah. That's what you were saying a minute yeah. ago about the difference between friends. Exactly, and yeah. It's, it's a different relationship, isn't it? Yeah. And, and to carry um, some of that burden. and Exactly. And you tell them and you act around your partner differently to how yeah. you act around your friends. Well, meltdowns. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm not quite... When I melt down, I used to melt down. I still do probably, you know, different things. But when I melted down, you know, to be able to melt down in front of somebody, mm, mm. maybe not do it as well as you should, you know, but have, you know, to be yeah. able to express yourself. Yeah. You know, I think, like, oh, sorry to interrupt there. Right. Um, I don't know if you felt this as well, but I just felt angry, you know, at yeah. my ex husband for not having been there 
to support me because, you know, like you were saying, through sickness and health and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then when the chips were down, he just wasn't there. And I think that upset me as well. So it was it was really difficult, um, a difficult time. It it was just hard. And I don't think I asked for as much help as I should have done from from friends and family. And although, you know, a lot was offered to me, I just felt bad sort of taking it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did just kind of muddle through and when really... Now I needed a lot more support, but it's difficult when you're on your own because you feel like you were saying about being a burden to your partner. As a single person, you feel like a burden to your friends and mm. your family at times, you know. Um, I mean, I can remember having my stem cell transplant over two days and one day I was on my own when I had it. And it was just, I've, I never felt so lonely in my entire mm. life. I just thought, oh my goodness, can't believe this is huge monumental to, you know, moment in my life, and I'm here on my own. Like, and it was, yeah, it was just really sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think for me, it was not a nice experience going through it on my own at all. Um, yeah, you have to dig deep, really. But then you do, whether you're with someone or not. But yeah, there was, you know, I was coming back to what I was saying about not wanting to compare. I going along the journey, realised that there were certain side effects of treatment and impacts of treatment that made me very unwell. But it was learning to have to, ultimately, a lot of the steps you have to take yourself, whether you're with somebody or whether you're not. And um, you come out at the end of it. You're different, aren't you, than before you went into it, regardless of your relationship. So if you had the relationship bit on as well, Mm. you know, in terms of where that leaves you, you are physically different, different. You're physically different, you're yeah. mentally different. Yeah. Um, and if, like you and I, you came out the other end mm. of it as singletons, mm. um, you're going into that arena, aren't you? Yeah. And life, yeah. very different than when you were single yeah. the last time. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not the yeah. only one who has gone through it single. I know friends who have gone through cancer on their own but I also know friends who have gone through and they've started in a relationship and then it's ended yeah. you know not long after because the, because of the stress it's a huge stress to put on a, on a relationship you know it's one of the biggest things you're going to deal with in life so as a partnership yeah of course it's going to put loads of strain on it mm. Mm. it's a commitment isn't it you know if, yeah. if, if you're with somebody and you tell them you've got an incurable that's life limited. Um, yeah. There are so many uncertainties involved, yeah. and that picture that you have in your head of what the shape of things to come yeah. should be. Yeah. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, it, I, I think it's hard. And, it, you know, I know we're not touching on other relationships, but that spills into other arenas. You know, relationships you had uh, you know, outside of intimate relationships, um, social relationships. It's not fair sometimes to blame the other person because. No, I was going to say something like that. Yeah. Mm. It's a it, it's a it's a it's a challenge for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know, there comes a point in relationships. You know, past relationships that haven't gone well, and it comes a point when you have to separate. Mm. It's made all the harder if you're living and sharing a condition that's not that person's. But I'm, I'm coming through that on the positives. Yeah? On the positives, can, where can we find? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. It's like this, that saying, there's no such thing as good cancer. Damn right. Yeah. Um, but we do grow out of that experience. But we come out at the other end a little bit different. I mean, 
you come back to body image. Yeah. You know, I fire blanks now. Yeah. Um, that would probably impact on younger men. It wouldn't impact on men at my age. Um, I suffer now with teeth issues. Um, but most importantly, um, I wasn't expecting to bump into somebody. And, you know, somewhere into my journey after moving and starting a job, I, I met somebody. How the hell do you then tackle the next stage of telling somebody that you're not that really healthy person looking in front of them. Oh, you are, but you might not always be. Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, well, we've talked about how, like in previous podcasts, how hard it is when people, well, you can't see an illness. We've like mm, several yeah. podcasts. That, uh, Kate, do you agree with Nick? That it, yeah. Does it worry you telling people mm. that don't know you what's happened? Yeah, definitely. I think... Like, I haven't started dating post-cancer yet, and I think that is one of the biggest things, mainly because I just thought, I don't want to, I'm not ready, you know, it's not a big sort of deal in my life anymore. Um, But, yeah, I think that is a huge concern. Like, how do you then say to someone, by the way, you know, this happened? It's a hell of a lot to take on, I think, um, for a new partner and like you were saying there's all the other sides of it too you know your body's changed um, and you've changed as a person so it's like how do you then kind of deal with that as well it's what very you want difficult. our relationship might be different to what exactly exactly you know and I know like as you get older everyone has a history and so you're not going to meet someone who's you know never yeah, really chatting about <laughs> this earlier they've been yeah. in a relationship you expect a bit of baggage yeah, yeah. and also if they didn't have it you'd think why yeah. you know <laughs> what's wrong with you you've got no baggage um, yeah so uh, so yeah it's difficult but I think it has made me yeah a bit nervous really yeah yeah you said it has it's not really a priority anymore mm. it has the experience of being seriously ill made you reevaluate what's important yeah. to you and I think as well you know I was very uh, like heartbroken when my marriage ended and I think I it kind of I didn't have time to deal with that before it was like no. slap bang in the cancer yeah. so that my focus just kind of went on to the cancer instead and so it's only now like in remission that you kind of deal with all the emotions of that marriage as well you know yeah um, so it's like having two things to mourn. Yeah, exactly. But not just kind of a chance to mourn either. Yeah, because you had to get on with it. Exactly, you don't have the chance, and I think it just suddenly hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, yes, you could say, "Well, throw yourself back into dating and just get on with it." You know, meet someone else, blah, blah blah. But it's very hard. You know, I haven't dated since I was in my teens, which is a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of it's all new to me anyway. Mm-hmm. The, the whole dating world now. And yeah, I just think it's that's the point though. Some sometimes journeys for blood cancer go on yours it's gonna go on for your entire lifetime, but mm-hmm. Kate, yours are still carrying on, you're yeah. still having um what do you call them? Bone bar- bar- yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Exactly. So it's not like it's finished and no. you can move on sort no. of thing. It's always gonna be a part of your life. Yeah, it is. And yeah, like you said, I'm still having biopsies, I'm still having regular um, hospital appointments and things so yeah it's not over mm. even though I'm in remission um, and I, I never will be you know um, so yeah it's an ongoing thing and it always is in the back of your mind yeah is it coming back again and all that kind of you know all the other emotions that come with but what it also about physical you know physical burdens that you still yeah. live with you know your, yeah. your immunity is compromised yeah exactly you've got to be careful yeah there. 
my memory isn't great, you know. I yeah. it's just not as good as it was. So I was blaming that on age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can, I just, I've got a bit of keep up right now, something. Yeah. yeah. It really does affect you and people go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually it does, genuinely does affect you your memory. Mm. Um you know, and physical appearances, you're just kind of like um, my hair's growing back now. But it, that was hard to deal with, losing your hair mm. and eyelashes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and fertility issues as well. Mm-hmm. You touched on that. Yeah, I know. And that does that does bother me and it does affect me. That more probably more than any other mm. side effect or any other thing to do with the cancer, that is the one thing that mm. is the worst for me. Mm. And also that affects how I look at future relationships. You know, yeah. I can't have kids, so does that affect who I meet, you know, what if they, what if I fall in love with someone and they say, oh, well, I want kids, so bye. You know, it's it's yeah. really tough. So in a way of sort of self-preservation, I suppose, I go, well, I'm not even going to start dating then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not only sort of pressure from whoever you might choose to get relationship, but yeah. the societal pressure around exactly. fertility that yeah. is a whole other... Yeah, but it's... it's that it's, is true. And it, and it goes to both, you know... Maleness is defined by your fertility historically. Mm. I know it's. Mm. I, I think it's just a human case. thing, though, it's isn't a, it's it? It's a human yeah. thing. We're here to pro- procreate. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't um, think it's recognised enough for men, as in it's not no. mentioned. To, to, be, to be honest, I, can, and I think I, it should be. I wonder how many men are actually told that they might not function the way mm. they did before mm. they go into their chemotherapy. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, even on myself was really informed. I think I probably had a eureka moment after my treatment. I suddenly realised, oh, hang on a minute, I'd forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah. But there is areas you, we've got to be able to. I wonder if we should associate with other groups, people who live with long-term challenges, um, disabilities, because they manage it with processes. I mean, I, I look at it from one point: how unattractive it must be every two weeks have to spend half a day sticking um, needles in your tummy and um, connecting up to syringe drivers for immunoglobins and then the discipline of your medication every day you know um, if you're in a continuous therapy or even if you're needing prophylaxis to carry on mm. after um, an intervention it's not very sexy is it it's not no. very attractive yeah. you know and so I suppose, and that's where it comes to the line when we're talking about current relationships, you know. Um, how deep do you want that other person to go? Mm. Yeah. Well, can you find a compromise, you know? I'm, yeah. Because I'm probably, in, in, you know, in, in, in a great situation there where I don't have to get too involved um, with the detail. And um, I suppose used to carrying a lot of... It's you. It's now part of you. I, I see my disease as, you know, and I don't even call it disease, it's part of me. Um, it's my responsibility. And maybe that's an element of protection. Is mm-hmm. Don't disclose too mm-hmm. much. Yeah, because it's quite heavy. You, I'm actually subject. fearful. That I'm fearful is like if you disclose too much, you're moaning about it to somebody yeah. else and you're just trying to burden them. Yeah, yeah. And also I think as well, what happens if I do get into a new relationship? Yeah. They're not going to have known everything I've been through, you know? It's kind of weird. It's like, yeah. it's strange yeah. to think it's that like they an inside, there's a piece of you that... Experience that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very strange, but... Yeah. You know, we talk about relationships. I'm not saying I'm the person that would chat anybody up in the infusion room, but, you know, when you're all sitting together... <laughs> mm. <laughs> you, know, gonna, you have a we, connection with those damn people. Damn right, yeah. when we're all sitting around in a circle in an infusion room... <laughs> Can't say that ever happened to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as, as a... 
uh, chronic or you know, going through therapy. I mean, I remember when I was blood transfusion dependent and when I used to have my own immunoglobins and you'd be sitting in an infusion room and some people would be on platelets, some people would be on mm-hmm. HP, some people would, you know, and there were a lot of very, very poorly people mm-hmm. in there. And if you were poorly when they weren't poorly, people would be supportive. But everybody in that room knew what the other person was going through. Mm-hmm. It's like a hidden... Yeah. I don't know if it's one of a better word. It's like, it is. It's like a secret society, isn't mm. it, when you're in that in that well, room? Do you now work for a charity that's related to it? So it's he's, yeah. he's definitely a part of your life and you're yeah. a trustee for yeah. 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 It's sort of being croached. If I'm honest, yeah. I think yeah. that contributed yeah. probably to the greatest degree to part of my marital breakdown as well because I'm an obsessive person and I did direct a lot of my time into research and creating activities. Um, but, yeah. It so, can become a bit too much. Well, yeah. With great working because I have a, a work life balance yeah. and I'm part of the community, mm. um, you know. But yeah, you're a different person, yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So, to end on a positive note, then, um, uh, do you, either of you have like a, a top a, a tip for people who are trying to work out how to either maintain or develop a new relationship? Is there like mm-hmm. one thing that you wish you'd known at the point of diagnosis or I don't know that really helps you now deal with it any thoughts I I mean I can't talk about being in a relationship whilst going through cancer because I wasn't um but I think as a single person trying or thinking about dating post cancer or even you know during if you're still living with cancer I think it's not to put pressure on yourself because as a single person anyway regardless of whether you've been ill or not you get so much pressure from friends and family and any strangers you know are you on the dating sites? Are you doing this that and the other and it's like a pressure 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 yeah but it's like I think don't let it don't let it don't let the pressure get to Mm. you you know you'll you'll know when you're ready or not don't force it because Mm. you probably will end up meeting the wrong people and things will go wrong so it's actually i think just wait until you feel ready and that's what i'm doing like take the pressure off yourself you've been through enough as it is already like um and also you don't have to go dating get into another serious relationship you can go and have some fun you know that's what that i'm looking forward to the next stage when i'm ready is to just have a bit of fun like you know we've all sort of been through something so awful it's just like we need to have something nice happen yeah, definitely. I think I was going to mirror what you were saying. Was it, was that you always find something when you're not looking for it. And to be able to be you again, find yourself again, relax, take some of the burden off yourself, get out there, mm-hmm. enjoy yourself, try and be whole and the person again. You, that is probably the bit that makes you attractive to other people and mm-hmm. gets you noticed. Yeah. That's probably what happened with me. Um, and that's why now I try not try to say people don't let the condition define you. Find you, find you, be you, have some fun. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, don't go looking because I, I wasn't joking, but I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I tried to date science, you know. I thought, oh my god, this age, I've been dated for ages. What do you do? Mm. You know, and I thought. I fancied a bit of company. I tried that. Waste of time. The second I forgot about that, put it down. <laughs> Months later, I actually remember it. I was in the bar mm-hmm. with my mate Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Richard and I have a habit of having late Christmases when either one's not very well. And Richard came up and we were in the bar. And, uh, 
caught somebody's eye when I was in the bar out of the blue. First time that happened, I did. And I actually said to him, I said, I think I've been pulled. <laughs> there you go. And that was the beginning of that. And that, that was when I totally forgotten about everything. And I was happy just going out with a friend and enjoying myself. Mm. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And that was me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and actually be proud of your body and everything that it's got is going through and has been yeah. through, you know. Yeah. And if you've got scars, embrace them and just think, well, this is me, you know, this is my sort of, this is part of me. Yeah. It's, it's and that's what I was saying earlier about learning, maybe being able to focus on how other people with different challenges mm. cope and continue mm. is a good way of reflecting on yourself mm. as, you, as you're adjusting to change. I think I benefit of a long time I've had this condition for nine or ten years and it's dragged been through many evolutions mm. whereas like yourself Kate you've been brushed in at 100 miles an hour and hit the wall yeah and mm. then you've got to scrape yourself up off the floor again yeah. and, and you put yourself back together again and you're totally different yeah um, yeah and it's still pretty yeah. fresh for me so yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that's it's different perspectives isn't it yeah, and on yeah. time and yeah yeah. I guess what the, that's what the podcast is for is to yeah. share different perspectives and hope that people are listening. At, well, I'm hoping I've grown up enough now to have a relationship because I've always been. I've always been a Well, thank you guys for being open and honest about a pretty tough subject really appreciate it and thank you to everyone for listening and uh, see you next time thank you for listening to this episode of leukemia chatters for more information and support from leukemia care go to our website leukemiacare.org.uk or call our helpline 08088 010 444 see you next month